I'm Jake, and this is What Were We Talking About? Currently sitting at 63% on Rotten Tomatoes and 58% on Metacritic, It Chapter 2 was released last week on Friday, September 6th. Uh, as of this recording, it has earned $220 million worldwide. Uh, it sits at number two uh, for the September opening weekend earnings, sitting just behind its predecessor at $91 million. Uh, that's pretty fucking fantastic for a horror movie. Um, it, it's no surprise that this movie has been really successful. Uh, the first one was pretty fucking great and uber successful like a massive hit like you wouldn't believe i i, I was excited for it i have been looking forward to uh the first it, it chapter one as it were um for years like when i was a kid i watched the 1990 miniseries um I would like to say that I was waiting since then, but I wasn't because as a child, that movie terrified me and made me afraid of clowns. So I didn't really care. Uh, it wasn't probably until 2000, I'll say 2008, whenever I was started to really become excited for this because uh, I uh, thought that it deserved a remake a more faithful adaptation, as it were. Um, something that could uh, give us a richer story. Um, which it did. The first one did. It was fantastically cast. The story was really well done. Moving it into the modern age, I thought was a smart choice. Um, not too many people... So I have a theory that most horror movies that uh, are present in the uh, or take place rather in the 1980s or 90s are scarier for kids who grew up in the 80s or 90s which are those those are the ones who are mainly going to watch it now we're getting to a certain age now where movies that are going to be based in 2000 are going to be scarier for a lot of people and it has a, i think that has a lot to do with uh the familiarity of it not too many people uh that were alive and growing up in the 50s are going to theaters or watching DVDs uh, or watching the or watching horror movies. So it would be pointless, I feel. There are some who feel it would have been better to stay faithful, but I tend to disagree. Uh, so obviously, I absolutely adored the first one, me and my wife watch it pretty regularly not like every day but like when we need something to watch and we're just like you want to watch it and i'm like fuck yeah let's watch it it's uh it's one of those movies we really thoroughly enjoy it so we have been waiting two years for this movie we went uh we had actually planned on calling off work or leaving early from work to go see it opening day Ultimately, we decided to be grown-ups and not do that. Uh, so we went the following morning. Uh, it, it was even... Okay, the movie sits at 2 hours and 49 minutes. We'll just call it 3 hours because I don't want to keep saying the minutes. 
uh, since it's about three hours, it's um, there was fear that like you it would drag, and I've heard I had heard that complaint from some people that it sort of drug a little bit, uh, and you could feel the three hours. Personally, for both my wife and I, uh, didn't really drag for us. Now, as I'm getting ready to talk more about what happened in the movie and what I liked and what I didn't like about the movie, to be perfectly clear, I am still utterly enamored by this movie. So it could be tainted. I'm going to try to be as uh, objective as possible. Um, but it's going to be really hard because I was so looking forward to this movie. And for me, it fucking pleased me so well. I loved this movie a hundred percent from the cast production design, the story, the script, the direction, everything about it. I thought was fucking great. They did have a couple weak points, but those are more nitpicky to me. Um, except for a couple bits, maybe, uh, but let's just uh, go ahead and dive right in. Uh, so with the cast, uh, this follows uh, obviously the adults, adult versions of the children we followed in the first movie. Uh, Mike Hanlon is played by Isaiah Mustafa, the old Spice guy. Uh, Bill is played by James McAvoy of uh, Professor X fame. Beverly Marsh is Jessica Chastain, the brilliant actress from Zero Dark Thirty and I mean a lot of other ones that I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Uh, Richie Tozer is played by Bill Hader. Um, that one didn't surprise me at that casting. Like all this casting is great. The only one I thought at the time was a miscast was Jessica Chastain because I thought they missed a golden opportunity to cast Amy Adams in that role because you cannot tell me the girl that played Bev in the first movie does not look exactly like a younger version of Amy Adams. You are blind if you do not see that. Um, Eddie Kasbrack, uh, the resident, uh, sick boy, uh, fake sick boy. I can't think of the fucking word for it. Uh, hypochondriac. That's the word I'm looking for. Eddie Kasbrack, the resident hypochondriac, uh, is played by, uh, James Ransone. No idea who he is. Uh, Ben Hanscom, also Jay Ryan. I think he's a relative newcomer. Stanley Uris is Andy Bean. Again, not sure who he is. And then Henry Bowers is played by Teach Grant. That cannot possibly be his name. His name cannot be Teach. Oh, that's going to suck. Anyways, Teach Grant, I guess, unless I'm missaying that. Um, The movie opens uh, uh, in 2016 in Derry, Maine. It's uh, uh, Adrian Mellon and his boyfriend, uh, Don Haggerty, uh, they get attacked by some young dairy assholes uh, who uh, beat the fucking shit out of uh, Melon, um, Adrian Melon, uh, and toss him over a bridge. Uh, when he's tossed over the bridge, uh, Don uh, hops down or g- he gets down there somehow um, and is looking for him because... He saw him down there. He saw him kind of struggling to keep his head afloat because he is beaten all to hell. Um, now, when he gets down there, he looks and he sees Pennywise, the dancing clown, uh, has Adrian up. And then he scary toothy dolphin bites his armpit. 
And that's where it closes. We jump over to uh, Mike, uh, who has overheard the incident on his police scanner, goes there, looks, uh, and he finds a message uh, left that he uh, that he realizes is from Pennywise, from it, uh, and that he's resurfaced, resurfaced rather, and he knows now that he has to call the other losers. Uh, he calls uh, Bill, Ben, Beverly, Richie, and Eddie, and Stanley. Uh, back to Derry. Uh, when he calls them, they're mostly uh, forgetful. They don't really quite remember what happened or most of their childhoods. Uh, but they're bothered a lot by the call. Uh, but ultimately agree to return. Um, Stanley, however, kills himself after the call. So let's talk about the opening right there. Now, what little I know of the book, haven't really read it. Me and my wife listened to the audio book uh, on our way to South Carolina or part of the way. Because surprisingly, an audio book when you're driving with no sleep is going to make you a little tired. So, um, but what little we did uh, it, it, listen to it, it is, uh, it sounds really faithful to that. It has caused some controversy as some people feel that it was unnecessary Um in this particular time, I personally don't feel that way, but I don't really have a dog in that fight. Unfortunately, I can't, uh, really speak to it. Uh, but personally I thought I've heard some people suggest that maybe Pennywise should have killed one of the, the people attacking Adrian and Don, but I fail to see how that would have, uh, been good. Cause then you would have even subconsciously been, um, rooting for Pennywise. Um, and I think that wouldn't have been good to be rooting for the murderous, scary clown. So I had no real problem with it. It was faithful to faithful to the book. It, um, made sense to the story to kind of show that Derry is this evil, you know, hellish place that has been corrupted by this thing, this it living in the city, in the town. Um, so I had no real problem with it. Um, the, all the reactions from everybody who got the calls, it was, I mean, it was great. It was really well done. Um, again, uh, if you've watched the miniseries, there's nothing really super surprising about, you know, uh, uh, Eddie killing himself. I have the names right here and I fucking keep forgetting what they are. Um, so, uh, after all this, after he gets the calls, um, you get, uh, actually, let me talk a little bit more about that. Beverly's bit, I thought was really cool. Cause like in the original miniseries, like her boyfriend or husband, I guess he is, uh, was just right off the bat a prick he was like that stereotypical businessman prick that you saw in every movie and every tv show in the 90s and eight in late 80s this guy like whenever she gets the call and says you know and he comes back from doing whatever she's like i'm sorry i have to go you know some shit's going down there's a crazy murderous clown shouldn't say that she's like you wouldn't believe me if i said it and at first she's like no, it's totally cool. I get that. I I understand. And you're like, what the fuck? Did they really just change this? 
And then as he gets up to walk away, he grabs her and then turns into that abusive, like jealous, paranoid husband. And uh, she ultimately hits him in the head with something and bails. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Again, can't quite remember what happens in the book. Um, but that felt really, that felt a lot better than what we got in the miniseries. A lot of this is going to be compared to the miniseries, which probably isn't fair because there was budgetary issues on the miniseries. There was uh, time constraints, uh, just a lot of issues going on there. So maybe I shouldn't do that so much. Um, but once they all uh, agree to come back, except for Stanley, obviously, who died at his own hands, uh, they reunite at a restaurant. And But as, as they're talking and getting to know each other again, they, they slowly start to bring back their memories um, there's, uh, oh, they start to bring back their memories, uh, but they're terrified by these crazy fucking visions that are popping up, uh, from the fortune cookies. Um, the first they get the messages and, uh, the message spells out something like, uh, Stanley couldn't be here or handle it or hack it or something to that effect. Basically tell them it was specifically to them. Uh, at first they were like, this is a weird fucking message. And they thought Mike was fucking with them at first. Um, obviously that's not the case as, uh, all this crazy shit. Like there's a winget fortune cookie. There's, uh, uh I think there's like a dead bird, flopping around I mean there's all kinds of weird shit and some ooey gooey disgustingness uh popping up around uh from the bowl um it uh it, it was a really well done scene uh the CG was some of the CG was a little too CGE I'll say um, they they do rely heavily in this movie on C on uh, computer generated uh, stuff, it, it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because uh, a lot of stuff is actually really really well done in this. But there's some points in the movie where it feels mm, iffy at best. Um, this scene wasn't bad. Some of the CG was a bit you know rough looking, or very clearly CG. I, I guess I'll say that it was very clearly. Uh, CG uh, but again not a bad scene um, and one thing that has become evident by this point in the movie and we're probably only I think maybe 30 minutes into it at least is that Bill Hader is fucking killing it all the cast is doing such a great job every single one of them there's not one bad performance from any of the cast members but Bill Hader just goes above and beyond. Now, part of me wonders, uh, is it because people weren't expecting that from him because of who he is? And that's not, I mean, he's hes a comedian. He's funny. He's really, really funny. Um, but most people just know him as the SNL guy who left. But he has also gotten critical praise for uh, Barry on HBO, which I need to get down to watch. Um, but he does phenomenal. Everything is like, it almost centers on him more than anybody else. And I thought that was really curious. I don't know if maybe this is like, 
that was the point the entire time because it's all it means clear throughout the entire movie that Eddie and uh Eddie and Richie are the heart of the losers they're the heart of the movie um so yeah it, but everything seems to center on Richie a lot uh as well as the other cast obviously but it, it really seems to focus on him now I don't know if that was just because I was so drawn in by him or what but he did such a great job uh, even uh, I mean all the way to the uh, 30 minutes in the movie was his the movie belongs to Bill Hader um so after after all that and uh there's a really funny bit where like they're like I think it's uh Richie is like he picks up a chair and just starts smashing the table where like the bowl of fortune cookies were because that's where like there was a you know creepy thing and the waitress walks in and she's like she's like is everything okay he's like yeah can i get the the check please i mean it was i'm not a comedian so i can't deliver it as well as he did but it was really well done really funny it is kind of some people are like why didn't (laughs) why didn't they kick them out for destroying a table their dishes and a chair um the question is answered though because it's a fucking movie chill out um so after uh when they leave the restaurant and they're all like ah fuck this we're leaving um they call stanley to find out you know where is he why did he bail uh well beverly calls and then she uh is talking to stanley's wife who informs her that uh he killed himself uh and before it, as before his wife can say in the bathtub, Beverly says in the bathtub, um, and everybody seems to pick up on that. And they they kind of reveal later that because she was in the deadlights and floated it for so long, but she was alive and brought back, that she had she she was able to see all of their fates, all of their futures. So she knew, and that leads to there was a bit uh, in the first. I can't remember if it was actually in the chapter one or if they added this to this to chapter two this time. But whenever uh, she's talking about, she saw them all grown up and Stanley's like, what about me? And she's like, you're just how you are now. Um, I guess a whiny little asshole. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Everybody decides to leave They're You know, uh, Richie and Eddie leave uh mike reveals uh to bill uh that he met with a native american tribe who showed him a vision of it arriving to earth uh informed him that of the ritual of chud uh a way of destroying it i have this written down so i can remember it a way of destroying it once and for all um so he shows him by giving him this like i don't know this drug or something to let him see what mike was shown and uh, Bill realizes, okay, they need to do this ritual to kill it. Uh, so uh, Bill and uh, Mike convince Richie and Eddie to stay and finish what was started. Uh, move over to Henry Bowers, who survived his uh, his death uh, in the sewers that night, that day when they were children in 1989. That sound right? Let's go with that. Um, he survived his death. Uh, 
which it was weird because whenever he pops it, like he pops out of the sewer in the um, Barrens. And at first, my wife was like, wait, what? Because like we thought, because it doesn't really show that they were going back in time. So it looks like just young Henry Bauer survived and he was going to be Henry Bauer for the rest of the movie. Which honestly, I mean, I would have been fine with. That kid did so great in the first movie. Um, but... Uh, no, they got Teach Grant, who uh, played Henry Bowers. Uh, if it, go, it shows what happened to Henry. Henry goes and goes back to his place, and then he's arrested. And he takes, uh, I think he takes the credit for killing all the kids. And he's put in an insane asylum, as you've seen before. Uh, he escapes after uh, his, uh, his buddy, who Pennywise killed, um, helps him escape by giving him a knife and he's stabby 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 and leaves uh then you go back to the losers uh, and they find out for the ritual to work uh the losers need an artifact quote unquote from their past something that means a lot to them uh beverly goes uh to her old house uh to find the uh love poem that ben wrote for her years ago but she still believes that bill wrote it which, you know, kind of makes sense. He is the writer. Um, let's see. Bill goes to the storm drain uh, where Georgie uh, was killed and recovers Georgie's paper boat, uh, uh, which was a weird bit because he gets the boat from Georgie, who is obviously Pennywise, I guess. It was a bit confusing, and I don't know. there's a lot of suspension of disbelief needed for this to work, obviously. So you kind of brush past it and move past it. Like I didn't even realize how crazy, how silly it sort of sounded until I'm just now talking about it. Um, But yeah, he gets the boat um, from that Georgie uh, lost. Uh, And then he runs into this uh, young boy named Dean uh, who tells Bill that he lives in Bill's old house and often hears voices of children and a clown coming from the shower drain, uh, which terrifies Bill, uh, who tells the kid to, you know, he doesn't care how he has to do it. He, he needs to tell his parents and get them out of that house and get them out of dairy. Um, it, and scares the kid, obviously. Uh, then we go over to Ben, who uh, goes to the high school and finds his old yearbook page, which uh, Beverly was the only person to sign. Um, in this entire time, they run into, uh, obviously Beverly runs into Mrs. Kirsch, uh, who is, uh, in the, you see it in the trailer, it's, she's pretending to be an ancestor of Pennywise the Clown, which all of it's a manifestation from, Pennywise himself so it's not real some people thought they were going to do that give him an actual backstory um it kind of seemed obvious to me that that's not what they're going to do he he wasn't a real person he was which I mean I guess he could have been based off of a real person but that's not what they do in this it's just a manifestation to scare Beverly tried to get her to leave um what does uh I'm trying to remember what Ben has to go through I had to actually, I, I, I had a piss, so I kind of missed most of his. He got chased by Pennywise and got called Fat Boy. I remember that. I got to the tail end of that. 
let's see, where does it? Eddie goes to the pharmacy to get his inhaler. Um, he is met there by um, he, you see that old creepy pharmacist there, which never really explains if if he was real or not. I, I believe he was. Um, but he was super creepy, like creepier than he already was in the first movie, like way creepier. And he's doing something behind the counter that you don't see, but it sounds awful choky, if you know what I mean. Um, I don't really quite know what he was doing, but in any case, uh, then Eddie goes down to the basement of the pharmacy, uh, to find, like he remembers uh, that's what happens. That's okay. I remember. I kind of remember right now. He find they each of them like remember something that happened. Scary to them at that point, and uh, this was uh, Eddie went down there. He saw. What was it? He saw his mother strapped to a table, and again, I now I don't quite know if this stuff actually was happening happened to them as children or if they're just remembering it i don't know quite i think it actually happened to them um which i i don't know that's just like uh, they just never mentioned it in the first movie um a lot of stuff again a lot of stuff not really explained i think it's just meant to be like it's scary it happened when they were kids you just didn't hear about it at the time uh but he sees his mother strapped to a gurney and she's being like attacked by a leper uh, the leper from the first movie. Uh, and he's trying desperately to help her escape. And then, you know, he's like, I'm sorry, mom. And he bails. And then he walks over. Adult Eddie walks over the crane. He's like, see, it wasn't real. And he opens it up. And obviously, it wasn't there. Then he turns around. And there's the little leper. And then Eddie starts to kind of to nut up a little bit. And he grabs him and starts choking the leper. And he starts getting smaller and smaller. And then he throws up like black bile all over him. Uh, and he leaves. Uh, that comes into play later at the end of the movie. Uh, where does Richie? Richie goes to an abandoned arcade where he finds the game token. He remembers a time when he was playing with, I think it was Henry Bauer's cousin. Um, and uh, he kept trying to get him to, he's like, yeah, just go in, let's stay. Let's play some more. And then uh, Henry Bauer's, uh, uh, nephew or not nephew rather cousin I believe it is calls him some derogatory names uh, homo derogatory homosexual slurs um, and then it starts to get implied during this entire sequence that maybe um, Richie is gay and uh, it's curious that this movie takes place in 2016 and I, obviously I know that you know there's still a lot of hate uh, for the homosexual community community today. Uh, but it feels weird that a celebrity, he, he's kind of a celebrity, um, would, would have to be quiet about his sexuality. Either way, it works really well in this context. Uh, he gets attacked as a kid by the Paul Bunyan, uh, statue, which is a pretty you know t scary scene. I, I I I'm totally with that one. That one was that one was kind of legit scary. Um. Then let's see. Uh, the losers uh go back to their clubhouse, which I don't believe we've seen. Uh, in the first movie, but they go back to a clubhouse and they find a 
thing filled with shower caps. And there's a funny bit here where Richie kind of, they're all looking around there, remembering stuff. And all of a sudden you hear like Pennywise's voice talk about floating and stuff like that. And everybody's looking terrified and they pick up a bat. And then Richie walks out of the dark and he's like, come on, I was just joking, guys. It was a really solid, like, I, I believe it was actually um, Bill Hader doing the voice. And he was a pretty good impression. It was it was a good moment of levity in the movie. After they, uh, when they get to the uh, the clubhouse, though, and in, in any case, they get a shower cap that was uh, Stanley's that they used because they were afraid of getting spiders in their hair. Uh, so they use that as Stanley's artifact. Uh, and then Mike finds the rock that started the rock fight against the Bowers gang years earlier. Along this time, um, see, I can't quite remember exactly how this happened. Um, Bill realizes that it is going after uh, Dean, and they go to the carnival, and uh, he sees Dean go into like a mirror house or something like that, and so he starts trying to you know chase him through it and get to him, uh, and at first he gets to him, and then. Um, uh, the kid's like, get away from me. What the fuck? Um, and then all of a sudden Pennywise shows up and he starts banging his head into the mirror to break through it to get to Dean. While Bill is on the other side of another mirror and just trapped and trying to break through with all he could. And he's begging and pleading with Pennywise not to do it, not to kill this kid, not like he did Georgie. And it is heartbreaking. I don't think it needs to be said, but uh james mcavoy is an incredible actor like he is amazing and it's uh, and yes i'm gonna use that word a lot during this review because this movie to me is amazing and i think james mcavoy is an amazing actor amazing actors everywhere um but he does such a good job and ultimately pennywise devours uh dean in front of bill which breaks his heart um he he's traumatized by this so he decides he's like fuck this nobody else is gonna die on my watch nobody's gonna die because this is all me and it's during this time i believe it's uh yeah it's uh, i believe it's during this point uh whenever bill goes to find his artifact uh which uh he, he, he we find out that the reason he's been so guilt-ridden this entire time is because he wasn't actually sick whenever Georgie went out. He just didn't feel like playing with his, you know, his brother. So he pretended to be more sick than he actually was. That I thought was such a again, don't know if it's in the book, but it was such a great twist on that story. It's such a great addition. You know, it puts a little kink in it and it's it's it was really really well done i really enjoyed that and it kind of brought because even okay so even if you know he was actually sick he would still feel guilt like it's survivor's guilt you know he's like if i was better i i would have been out there with him and it probably nothing probably would happen to georgie or it would have taken me instead um but then you add the extra wrinkle of he wasn't actually sick he just didn't want to play with his brother i I love that. That was such a really good and heartbreaking moment when you realize that. Um, so he decides at this point that nobody else is going to die because of him. It was his fault. So he, I think he calls Mike and he's, he said he's going back uh, uh, 
to the house, uh, a, a, uh, the Kneebolt house, rather. Uh, he's going to murder it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Bowers attacks uh, and wounds Eddie and Mike, uh, but is killed by Richie with a fucking tomahawk to the head. And it, it's, a, it's a really good scene. Eddie gets... Th- this scene... There's some bits of it where it's kind of like it's silly and kind of funny. Probably in moments it shouldn't be. Now I'm not saying that it was an like not like the room is funny, you know, but it's like funny because it's they made it that way. But it probably should have been played more seriously than it was. Um, but it was uh, really well done. Eddie gets stabbed in the cheek, and then he goes, you know, and Eddie's kind of following him defend us a job because the knife is still in eddie's cheek he's like oh god no and he uh hides inside the shower just closes the curtain and as uh henry gets closer he gets stabbed through the chest through the shower curtain now the weird thing is he just pulls the knife out like well fuck that hurt and then continues about his way and he goes and attacks mike uh and his only attacks him does i don't think he wounds him um but is killed by Richie with a tomahawk to the head. Uh, yeah, the, and that was a good bit too. Uh, Eddie says as he's walking out. Whenever uh, <laughs> after Eddie gets or uh, Henry gets stabbed, he's like, "Cut the fucking mullet, man! It's 2016." Uh, it was. It, it's really. It's kind of silly and funny. Uh, this is probably one of the moments I did have an issue with. Again, it's nitpicky, but it's one of the moments I had an issue with. Uh, in the movie because this was utterly pointless. All of it was because in the original miniseries, again, I don't know about the book. I I will. I'll probably repeat that a couple more times because I just want to make it clear that I have not read the book. I'm not really comparing it to the book so much. Um, I'm kind of trying to judge it on its own merits and somewhat on the miniseries, which isn't fair. Um, but in the old miniseries, like, Henry Bowers takes out Mike before being killed. And Mike can't go into the sewers. So it weakens him. This was literally all of them except for Stanley went down to the sewers for the final conflict. Uh, after all this is done, after uh, after Henry's dead, uh, the entire gang heads to uh, the Neapolitan house uh, to help Bill. Um, after, you know, you know, uh, kind of a funny exchange between Richie and Bill, um, they say something about, you know, oh, he said, what did you say that day whenever, uh, we first went after him and he goes through a couple of things. He's like, I don't want to die. And he's like, no, the other thing, it goes through a couple, a couple funny exchanges, but it's all when he says, let's go kill this fucking clown. Um, but they descend, they go down uh, into this huge, like they go down to where they were before and then they descend even lower where Pennywise escaped and they, this huge cavern um, and they do the ritual which uh, they get inside what looks to be, I assume, the crater or the asteroid that Pennywise came out, uh, came down on. They do the ritual. It doesn't work. Uh, it it withstands the uh, actual ritual. Once they realize that the ritual hasn't worked, like this balloon is popping out of the thing, and it um basically uh 
they forces him out of the little crater and they're sitting there and it pops and then pennywise shows up huge gigantic he takes the form of a, basically a giant spider again but this time like the top half of him is pennywise the clown the rest of him is all you know spider leggy and kind of creepy a little silly looking too um and he had he makes uh he pressures mike into revealing that uh, the losers that originally whenever the natives uh who inhabited dairy prior to modern day uh when they attempted the ritual in the years years past uh they all died uh so they get all fucking pissed off and uh and then it looks like because whenever mike realizes that he fucked up he starts trying to stand up to pennywise himself and bill bill saves him i believe and they get thrown into this like nightmarish scenario each of them individual or not individually but like uh richie and eddie are together ben and beverly are together and uh mike and bill are together i don't remember i'm trying to remember i don't remember bills oh i do uh bills is uh he is in the basement uh whenever before in the first movie whenever he uh sees georgie being puppeted by uh, Pennywise, and he realizes that adult him is puppeting uh, Georgie, and Georgie's telling him he lied, and then he tries to tell him like he finally really he comes to terms with the fact that it really wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. He didn't want to play with his brother. It it was it was okay that he didn't want to. It's unfortunate the events that happened, but it wasn't his fault that he doesn't need to blame himself anymore. And once he comes to that realization, he's able to escape the scenario. Um, ben is being buried alive in the clubhouse, uh, and he starts screaming for Beverly, who is trapped in the bathroom stall from like the first uh, movie. Strapped in the bathroom stall and it's getting filled up with blood and she's drowning and she hears Ben and then she's able to bust open the door and uh, save Ben and they escape that. Eddie and uh, Richie are thrown into the uh, very scary, not uh, not scary at all, and scary doors. And uh, he, uh, what was it? Richie makes a joke earlier about the but it taking the he said he should take the shape of a pomeranian well they open like the uh not scary at all door and there's a little pomeranian down <laughs> down there and they're like i know what you are you fucking monster and like they're they're berating this little cute puppy and eventually it turns into a gigantic monster and they run away they escape the situation as well uh they uh realize that they, they want to try to get uh Pennywise, no, at this point, whenever uh, it looks like uh, Pennywise is going to kill, I think, Bill, uh, Richie throws a rock at him. Or maybe it's Mike again. Maybe Mike's getting ready to get killed. Uh, one of the other losers is getting ready to get killed, and Richie tosses a rock and starts talking shit to him, but then all of a sudden just gets, boom, hypnotized. And he's in the deadlights. And... Uh, and it looks Pennywise is getting ready to kill him and pale him. And Eddie has this uh, old iron bar that Beverly used in the first movie to stab Pennywise. 
So he's, uh, and she tells him because he's terrified this entire time. And she tells him, she's like, this kills monsters if you believe it will. So he sits there for a second. He's just, he's like, this kills monsters. This kills monsters. This kills monsters. And he runs up and impales uh, Pennywise with it. And then he, you know, uh, Richie comes to and he's like, I, I think I killed it. I think I did it. And all of a sudden, boom, Eddie gets impaled by Pennywise. Uh, truly, at that moment alone, kind of, it legitimately kind of brought a little tear to my eye. I was like, oh, shit. Like, and I knew it was coming. I watched the miniseries. I knew he died in the book. Um, I believe he dies in the book, actually. I'm not 100% sure now, but I, I believe he did. But in any case, I wasn't surprised that Eddie was going to die. But it fucking got me. Like, it was such a heartbreaking shock. Um, but they... Uh, after he's impaled, there's a good moment whenever he's laying there suffering and they're like, don't worry, we're going to help you. And he says, Richie, I got, I got, I got to tell you something. And he's like, what is it? I fucked your mother. <laughs> and laughs. It's such a good moment. Like it's such a sweet moment. Um, and they realize, okay, so basically it has to adhere to the rules of, of the shape that it's in. It has to adhere to the rules of the physical world. So they knew that there was this little narrow opening. And so they were like, okay, we can get back there, lead him there. He'll shrink down and we can kill it. But they get blocked. And then they realize, and this is sort of where they start to lose me a little bit. Um, They regroup and realize uh, that it can be killed if they stand up to it and make it feel smaller than it actually is. They surround it, insult it, uh, and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and it it visibly shrinks down, physically is shrunken and weakened, until they are able to tear out its heart and crush it, killing it finally. Uh, unfortunately, Eddie does die from his injuries. Uh, Richie does a really. Uh, he he tries he he keeps saying no we just need to get him help we need him to the hospital we need to get him help and the whole place is collapsing so they have to leave and they ultimately I believe leave Eddie's body there. Um, they go back to the quarry after this uh, uh, where they swam. Uh, Beverly uh, finally has realized that Ben is the one who wrote the letter. Shares a kiss with him. Uh, the two start a romantic relationship. Uh, Reggie returns to the bridge. Uh, well, okay. So when they're in the water, they're swimming, cleaning off, and they're uh, and they're talking like you know Eddie would have hated this cleaning off in this filthy water. And they start to say something to Richie, and all of a sudden you just hear, and even talking about it, I get a little choked up. He, uh, you hear like this really kind of heartbreaking sob, and Richie's crying hard, and uh, they go over and comfort him. And it, it's such a really good moment in the movie. And it was this moment that sealed the deal for me that I'll trust Bill Hader in any role at any time. This dude was great. I, I, I just can't get over how great he was. Um, so like the sort of epilogue of it, uh, Beverly, um, uh, like I said, has realized that Ben was the one who wrote the letter. They get it into a romantic relationship Richie goes back to the bridge on his way out where he uh, had once carved his initials and those of another person. Uh, and it's now revealed that it's Eddie, that he was the R plus E. 
Uh, Mike then uh, decides to move out of Derry to start a brand new life, and the losers all receive posthumous uh, letters from Stanley uh, explaining that he believed he would have held them back but knew they could defeat it if they were brave without him. Uh, so yeah, there are a couple issues, and it's mainly with the end of the movie. One, they basically bully it to death. Um, and it can be said that it was like a taste of his own medicine. Um, but Pennywise didn't really bully them. He tried to scare them. Uh, and it seems, you know, it's not really what they call a difference without distinction. Like, but there is like, he was being terrifying, villainous, trying to conjure fear for him to basically marinate them in. Uh, they picked on him until he became so small, they could defeat it. Um, I'm not trying to get like super, whatever about it, but like sort of seems like it might send the wrong message to people like, you know, bullying can solve all your problems. Uh, but I mean, honestly, it, it, to me, that's kind of a nitpick because it still worked. Like even as silly as it sounds, me describing it right now and even thinking about it seems really fucking silly. Um, it's, uh, it worked. Um, and the, uh, other thing I, I kind of had a beef with was like, they sort of make it out that Stanley killing himself was a good thing and that it was the brave and noble thing to do, which I think was misguided. I think, um, I get what they're trying to do. They didn't want, they didn't want him to come off as being, he was just too scared to deal with it, but that's sort of what the character was. If memory serves, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong. If this happened in the book, then that's fine. But, uh, I don't believe it did. Um, now the few, few things uh, that I've read online. Now I thought at first it, the movie's not nearly as scary. Uh, I'm just going to go kind of an overall and then, you know, we'll close out this bit. Um, but, uh, the problem, uh, that I was reading online was like, uh, it's not nearly as scary as the first one. I personally, I thought that I was like, okay, maybe it's just me because I, I used to watch quite a bit of horror movies and I'm sort of desensitized to them. It's hard to find a movie that legitimately scares me. So I was like, it's not going to scare me anyways. Um, but seeing that that was mirrored online by other people, I would imagine that's, yeah, it's not nearly as scary as the first one. Um, but I mean, that's, but that's fine because it didn't really need to be super scary, we were already introduced to Pennywise the Clown. We already knew what it was capable of. Um, we had to see sort of his attempts at scaring the adults away from him because he knew that he could beat them. There were like desperate attempts. Uh, I thought it worked. I thought it was fine. Again, it, it wasn't nearly as scary, but the story was good enough. It was strong enough. The story was so good. Uh, the scripting was really well done. Uh, it... it it was good. It was a good film. It was a good movie. It has obviously some flaws, uh, as I've stated, but honestly, nothing to me detracted that much from it. Um, the biggest takeaway from this was the cast. The cast was brilliant. Uh, everybody did. They were cast perfectly. Like they 
it felt like those kids had grown up into these adults. Um, I thought that was really cool. Like really, really, really good. Even, even the short bit that Stanley's in there felt like that kid had grown up. Um, but obviously, and I, James McAvoy was great, but honestly, I mean, it's Bill Hader. This is Bill Hader's show. This is his showcase. He deserves all the praise that he's getting. He is, even if you don't like horror movies, even if this movie doesn't look that interesting to you, his performance is worth seeing this movie for. He did great. Um, I think, uh, like I even, I told my wife, I was like, he deserves an Oscar for this. He did so fucking good. Um, yeah, so he, um, yeah, he was great. Like that, that was my one point in the movie. Like it was just, I couldn't get past that, how great he did. Um, this movie's great. I absolutely 100% recommend it. I give it, uh, four and a half out of five floating red balloons. Um, now once it comes out on DVD or I go see it again in theaters, uh, I might hit us, hit you back and kind of, maybe I have an updated feel for the movie. Um, some more thoughts on it. Uh, this is going to be a movie that probably gets brought up uh, a couple more times. I believe Joseph is going to see it, uh, soon. So we'll probably talk about it again once he has seen it. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's my review for, uh, uh, it chapter two, uh, Unfortunately, I feel bad for you guys. You had to listen to me today uh, by myself. And that is never fun. And trust me, I have to edit this right after I get done recording. And I am not looking forward to it because my voice is awful. And I have nobody to play off of. I have Evie here, but he's just laying here on my written notes waiting for me to finish so I can go feed him or hold him. He's a good little boy, though. I love this little boy. That sounds awful. Don't take that out of context. I love E.B., my cat. He is a boy, and he is small. I love this little boy, E.B., the cat. There. Take that out of context. I think that's going to do it for this episode. It's a little short one, uh, since I don't have Joseph here. Um, I, I fear, I believe, episodes might be a little bit more sporadic uh, here in the near future, just because, uh, uh, Joseph has become rather busy. Uh, it's hard to get a good time for him to come over here, uh, to record. And this stuff doesn't really travel super easily. And it's kind of hard to record cause he's got, you know, three kids and a wife living there who are asleep by the time we start recording. Um, so yes, things might get a little bit more sporadic, uh, which I, I really hate doing, um, just because we had gone on hiatus, I thought we were ready to come back. I thought we were, you know, solid. We had a plan. We were ready to go. And then things started to start to sort of crumble a little bit. Uh, I personally like, we'll probably still keep doing like Monday episodes for right now. Um, but it's, uh, I want to build up like a sort of like a backlog, you know, uh, for situations like this where Joseph's too busy to come over that way I can have something to give you guys. Um, and that's sort of the beauty of this new format. While the Monday episode is always going to be new. So it has to be recorded, you know, relatively close to release. 
um, the debates that we do the uh, on this hill I die can be pre-recorded and the Friday shows can be pre-recorded uh, and obviously we would record something special if something big happens um, or if we see a movie we'll you know we'll change it change it up or whatever uh, so that's kind of my goal right now with this show is to make sure we have a safe backlog that way we can constantly have content coming out to you so i do apologize i know i do we don't have many listeners but for those of you who do listen i do apologize because i appreciate you guys listening to us we've been doing this for well joseph and me have been doing it for probably a couple a year and a half or so uh but the show's been going on for about three years if memory serves um I do appreciate everybody who listens to this, you know, through the ups and downs and the bad episodes and the good episodes and, and the other, you know, 94 episodes. Um, so that does it for, uh, what we're talking about. Uh, be sure to go and follow us on Instagram at three WTA podcast. And you can also find us on Twitter at the three WTA podcast, uh, we're also on Facebook at OG3WTA Podcast. I am at uh, 3W, the3WTA pod underscore Jake on Twitter and at Motley underscore nerd on Instagram. Feel free to drop by, uh, send me a message, uh, follow me, whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm always open for you know good chit chat about some nerdy nonsense. Um, Definitely, if you have any suggestions for the show, if you have ideas for debates particularly or any anything you want to hear us discuss, just drop a hashtag 3WTA podcast uh, on any any of your social media uh, or you can always direct message us uh, on any of the formats. We'll take it however we can. We want to hear from you guys and we appreciate what you guys think about the show and we want to make sure we can make good content for you for the future. So... Until next time, folks, I'm Jake. I've been flying solo, and I'm sorry for that. What were we talking about? 